Okay, so um, I wanted to do a uh, a um, like a series on um, new age in the church, and um, I feel that it's very important to do this. And I, I feel I know that there's I feel like there's some opposition against it and things, and and it's not uh, it's kind of outside of people's comfort zones and and things like that. But I really feel that that's what God is wanting us to deal with because right now we live in a time where there's pretty much there's there is so much um, in the church that uh, uh, just a hodgepodge really. There there are so many things in the church that are that are that don't line up with the word of God. There are so many things that sound like God, but they're not. And really when it when it comes down to every false teaching, there's enough truth in a false teaching to make it sound like truth, but there's enough uh of falsehood in it to mislead you from the truth and and um we just got through reading a book called Anointed for Burial. Uh, a book about a guy named Todd Burke, and if you ever get a chance to read that book, I, I, I strongly encourage you to read it because in the early 70s, um, before um, Vietnam fell to the communists and things of that nature and the Khmer Rouge and all that, um, Todd Burke was in Cambodia and he was preaching the gospel and God was doing some amazing things. People were getting saved left and right. Churches were springing up. Uh, essentially, it was revival. And and God was just really, really moving through him and through his ministry. And, and like I say, tons of people got saved through it. Tons of people were delivered. People got demons cast out of them. People were healed. People, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, but long story short, um, at some point his son died. And after his son died, he went off the deep end. He went straight, he went deep into new age and became like a new age guru and things and, and totally walked away from Jesus. Um, there was that video that I think we showed you guys not too long ago of, of the worship leader that is, is, has gotten all into new age and, and things and, and basically, you know, turned away from, from uh, um, the gospel and things. And so the simple fact of the matter is, is from Genesis to Revelation, from the very beginning, it's all been about truth and falsehood, right? Even in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, Satan came to Eve with a lie. And Satan is the father of liars. He is a deceiver. He is, uh, he is deceived and, and lied to people from the very beginning. So it starts in the Garden of Eden with a simple lie that plunges all of mankind into darkness until the book of Revelation where it says that the dragon poured forth a flood from his mouth, which was to sweep away the man-child. And the woman and stuff. And so the progression is, is that Satan 
is is and I think that that's really a, a great description of what's going on in the world right now. Satan is pouring forth a flood of lies that is deceiving the whole world, and the whole world is being deceived. And we are being a time. We are living in a time of great darkness. We are living in a time of great deception. You look all around. You look on the news. You look on the things that are happening in our world. We are living in a time right now where the world is on fire with the coronavirus, with the with the riots, with all the stuff that's going on. And it's obvious to me that Satan is loose in the earth right now. And he is destroying and he is going forth to deceive people. He is going forth to deceive the multitudes. And Satan is not happy with deceiving one or two people here and there. He's not, he's not happy with just kind of twisting a little things. He wants, to he wants the utter destruction of mankind and everything that was created in the image of God. And if you ask me, that's where we are right now today. And I believe that uh that um I, honestly i believe that we are in a time of god's judgment where god has pulled back his hand and he is allowing the powers of darkness to have their way in the world now in all those situations the bible says that judgment begins with the house of god right so you know whereas judgment affects the earth it starts with the people and the house of god now what is the purpose that god allows judgment upon his house it is for the purification of his people so that he can have a bride dressed in white pure garments without spot without wrinkle without any leaven the Bible says a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. And so it's not a side issue when we talk about truth. As a matter of fact, that's what, our, that's what this ministry is all about. This ministry is about one thing, trying to dig into the Word of God and see what is truth and what is error and separating those two and saying, this is truth, this is error. And it's not about sitting in judgment. It's not about being haughty. It's not about thinking of ourselves as something that we're not. We know that we are vast, gross sinners before God. And I know that without the grace of God, I would be plunged into hell. I know that I have no excuse. I have no foot to stand on. I have nothing that I can, that no goodness of my own, no, nothing that I can say, this is what I deserve. I deserve to be anything at all. I am the chief of sinners. And I don't say that as hyperbole or anything like that. I say that because I know what's in me. And so... But uh, turn to Matthew chapter 19, because we're going to look at some things that, uh, that Scripture say about judging. And when, uh, I want us to be understand, I want us to be very clear when we talk about judging tonight, what we don't mean is sitting in judgment. We don't mean looking down on other people. What we're talking about is we're talking about discernment. And discerning the will of God, discerning the purpose of God, discerning the truth of God from falsehood. Because here's the thing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it says, he says that when you come to him, you will know the truth. And what happens when you know the truth? The truth will set you free. And so if truth sets free, what does lies do? Lies brings bondage, right? And so, and I think that we are in a place in the church when we are full of mixture, when there is a lot of truth mixed with falsehood. And the problem is, is everyone says, well, don't look too much at the falsehood or don't judge and don't, don't point out the things that are wrong and stuff because we're trying to have this unity. It's not a true unity when you do that. Because what you're saying is you're saying, let's agree to disagree. Well, the only true unity that we can have is the unity that's based on the Word of God and the truth of Scripture. Everything else is outside of that. The Bible says in Psalms, it says that God has magnified His Word even above His name. So God's Word is magnified above all other things. And in Matthew 28, I just want to look at a quick Scripture um, it says in verse 27, Then Peter said to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything I'm and sorry, followed. I'm sorry, Matthew, Matthew 28, 
Verse Matthew what? 19, sorry. Matthew 19 what? Verse 27. Matthew 19, 27. Yeah. Okay. It says, Then Peter said to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Turn to one more place. Turn to um first uh, Corinthians chapter five. Now I don't know exactly exactly what that means. But one thing that I do know is that God has, Jesus has called us as his people to judge the church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. It says, it's actually reported that there is immorality among you, and immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. For I, on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged him who has so committed this as though I were present. Now, I want to look at a few things. Number one, in verse one, he says, it's been reported to me that there's immorality among you. So this is not even something that Paul has personally witnessed. It's not something that he has seen with his own eyes. He has been, it has been reported to him by people who are speaking the truth, by people who love the truth, by people who are not trying to destroy people, not trying to um, ruin people's reputations, but they're saying this is what's happening in the church. And in verse 3, he says, I, on my part, even though I'm absent in body, but present in the spirit, I have already judged him and have so, who has so committed this as though I were present. In the name of our Lord, in the name of our Lord Jesus, when you're assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Your posting is not good. Do you not know again that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are in fact unleavened, for Christ our Passover also has been sac sacrificed. Therefore let us celebrate the feast not with the old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of the world or with covetous and swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have had to go out of the world. But actually I wrote to you... I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he's an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or, an, or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to each with such a one. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? Do you see that? So again, he is telling us and he's giving us a command that we are to judge the things, and again, when we say judge, we don't necessarily mean to, to be in judgment or anything like that, but it's to discern more than anything. We are to discern the body rightly. We are to see the things that are happening in the body of Christ, and we are to tell people about things so that they can avoid stuff. And the simple fact of the matter is because there are so many Christians out there, there are so many people that that will pretty much believe anything, right? That's the whole purpose of discipleship. That's the whole reason why we are called, and the Bible said we are not called to make converts. We are called to make disciples. What is it to make disciples? It is to take somebody, and Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so what we are doing as we make disciples is we're teaching them the truth from falsehood. Right, and we're teaching them, and we're 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 causing them them to understand and and to know the ways of God. Um, and in the in Proverbs twenty seven verse twenty three, it says, "Know well the condition of your flocks, and pay close attention to your herds." Right, 
And so again, it is a command for us to know what's going on in the church. And we can't, and, and we are not told just to bury our heads in the sense, and certainly we are to think the best of each other. We are to believe the best about each other. But you know, the thing is, is, is say, for instance, if I'm at work and I know a believer at work and I keep hearing from different sources, people that are reliable telling me, you know what, this person, this person sleeps around, right? And I hear this from more than one source that are unrelated, but they're reliable sources. Then if I'm a believer with this other believer and I have fellowship with this person, it's incumbent upon me to say, hey, is this true? Is, is this a falsehood? Right? And the thing is, is, is that's not only good for me, it's also good for him. Because if he's not doing it, it gives him an opportunity to say, no, that's not true. Right? And so we, as brothers and sisters, we have to hold each other accountable. And we have to be there for each other. And again, not in some uh, condescending way, not in some way as being a busybody. And it's definitely something that we don't do all the time. It's not something that we're just, you know, we're, and honestly, you go on YouTube and there are ministries that that's all they do. They look for people, that they look for things that are wrong and they look to point out things that are wrong. That's not what we're about. Okay, and again, if we do point out things, it's not to destroy anybody's lives. It's not to make people look bad. It's not to to toss people under the bus. It's so to separate truth from falsehood to protect the sheep. and to protect the sheep and to say, look, little sheep, do not go this way, because if you go this way, you will be destroyed. Um, turn to John chapter 18. Verse um, 28. This is when Jesus is taken before Pontius Pilate, before he's being crucified, when they're trying him. It says, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore Pilate went out to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, Look at, look at this, what they say. Pilate says, what did this guy do that you're, you're, you're bringing him before me? And instead of saying what, they, what he did do, because really they didn't have anything to accuse him of, he said, if, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So Pilate said to him, take him, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. Look at this, what they say here. The Jews said to him, we're not permitted to put anyone to death. So again... <laughs> This is the wrong spirit, right? Their purpose is to kill. Their purpose is not to find the truth. Their purpose is not to, to you know, find God's will, to find what God is truly saying. Their purpose is to kill. Their purpose is to destroy. And we know that that's Satan, right? It says, We are not permitted to put anyone to death to fulfill the word of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered and said, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? And Pilate answered and said, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would be so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But, but as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, look at this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, look at this, what is truth? And see, and that is the thing. And that's why it is important what we believe. That's why it's important uh, because ideas are power, right? It, and again, it's not a doctrine or a system of belief, but as the word says, it's as a man thinks, so is he. And just like we said, the truth will set you free and lies will keep you in bondage. And so it's very important what we, what we teach. 
It's very important what we listen to and what we're taught. And, and the problem is, is so many people go to church Sunday after Sunday and they sit there and listen to the preacher and the preacher can say the sky is green and the grass is blue and they'll just be like, amen, yes, brother, preach it, right? And they don't even try to listen. They don't try to discern. They don't, try, they don't search out the scriptures to see if things are true. They just receive things. And, the, and again, I believe that that's why the church is in the state that we're at, because there are so many people in the church who just go to church to have their ears tickled, to have their ticket punched and to say, oh, you're on your way to heaven. Nothing can change that. Nothing can stop that. You're blessed. God loves you and, and you're doing great. And so and, and all the while they have no relationship with God at all. Um. And so it's very, again, it's very important. The, you know, the Bible says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I, I saw on, Christy, I saw on your Facebook this week, someone's talking about whoever the Jonah is, please reveal yourself or whatever. Well, I'll tell you who the Jonah is. The Jonah is America, right? And, and, you know, and, and this generation, because we have turned our backs on God, we, we've legalized abortion, we're, we're making it to where you can abort babies right up to the moment of inception. We, you know, even in our politics, people use Jesus as a way to get elected. There's so much garbage happening and stuff. And, and a lot of it, it, it comes from the church. And the church is not being the beacon of light. And the church, a lot of portions of the church are just, instead of standing up for the truth, instead of saying, this is what's truth, and this is what's falsehood, it's just, Jesus is happy with you. You're blessed. He's going, he wants you healthy. He wants you, he wants you wealthy. He wants you blessed. He wants you to have your best life now. And we're teaching all these things to people when there are people in other countries right now who are being persecuted, who are being put to death, who have not, who, who don't have two pennies to rub together. And those people are far more blessed by God than some of our rich, overstuffed, overserved Christians. The Bible says that Sodom, the reason why Sodom was uh, judged because of her ease and because she loved, she had lacked nothing. And that's the way America is. We love our comfort. We love our ease. And we don't like anything that has to do with the cross. We don't like anything that has to do with self-denial. All we want is people to just bless us and tell us that Jesus loves us. And the thing is, is, is and again, too, and believe me, I have been in churches where you could not say anything against the preacher. You could not, and you, you had to call him pastor so-and-so, and, and he had his entourage around him and stuff, and you could not question anything he said. And that is so completely opposite of Paul. Paul praised the Bereans because they searched the scriptures after he preached to them to see if the things that he said were true. And in Galatians 1, verse 6, Paul says, If I or an angel comes and tells you another gospel other than one than, than was delivered to you, let them be accursed. And Paul included himself in that. And we and the thing is, is if we have if no one is a no one is above being accountable. If anybody, if 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 anybody is has gone to the point to where we're not, no one's able to question them, no one's able to question their doctor, no one's able to question their teachings, then we have put that person on a pedestal. And that means that they have become, uh, they have become an idol. Paul himself could be questioned, right? And so the thing is, 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 is all I'm saying is there's a bunch of teaching in the church right now that is very questionable. And again, it's not our purpose to to um, to destroy people's ministries or their lives or anything like that. Again, that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to say this is what the Bible says. Okay. Um, again, we're not talking about running people through the mud, trying to destroy them personally or rejoicing over anyone's destruction. It's about the sheep and it's about. The thing, because the thing is, is we are God's under shepherds. And in J, uh, James 3 verse 1, it says, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we will incur greater judgment. Why is that? Because it's hard being a teacher. 
right? Because you are held accountable for the things that you teach. And not only that, but it's like, it's hard to be a teacher to be, to, because the thing is, is sometimes God is angry. And sometimes God has a case against his people. And at that moment, you have a choice to whether you're going to speak what God wants you to speak or whether you're going to bow to the will of the people. Whether you're going to give in because it's hard, it's difficult. Nobody, believe me, I am the least person that wants to go around and make people angry. I mean, it is my nature, it is my character to, to try to conciliate and to try to make people happy and, and try to, be, uh, to try to make peace with people, right? But sometimes God says, look, this is my word and this is what people need to hear. People, again, people want to have their ears tickled. People go to churches every Sunday to churches where they know that the preacher is going to tickle their ears. And I'm telling you, the American church needs people, needs a five-fold ministry that will rise up and say, you know what? This is what God's saying. God is not saying that he's well-pleased with you right now, all right? And the Bible says, if anyone loves his mother, brother, sister, or father more than me, he's not worthy of me in Matthew 10. And it's because the truth is difficult, because people do not want to hear the truth sometimes. And sometimes God speaks hard things. Turn to Jeremiah 33. And again, the problem is, is we, we have grown so accustomed to an American gospel. We have grown so accustomed to, to going to our church where, where everyone's dressed all nicely and sister so-and-so and everyone's all happy and everything's all blessed. And the thing is, is honestly, you go to a lot of churches, you can see that the goal of that church is to make people happy. The goal of that church is to let, have you leave Leave that church on Sunday morning feeling good about yourself, feeling positive about yourself, right? And the thing is, is God's not always into that. And in Jeremiah 33, verse 1, says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time while he was still confined in the court of the guard, saying, Now this is, Jeremiah had been confined in the court of the guard because the king threw him there because the king didn't like what he was saying. He says, Thus, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and I will, tell you, I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, I think that this scripture is so awesome. And again, this scripture is so misused by people because we quote that scripture so glibly. But again, Jeremiah spoke that scripture when he was sunk to his armpits in a cistern that the king had thrown him in because he didn't like what he was saying to him. He says, For thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the houses of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are broken down to make a defense against the siege ramps and against the sword. While they are coming to fight with the Chaldeans and to fill them with the corpses of men whom I have slain in my anger and in my wrath, and I have hidden my face from this city because, all their, because of all their wickedness. Again, he's speaking about Jerusalem, the chosen people of God. It said, Behold, I will bring it to health and healing, and I will heal them, and I will reveal them to them an abundance of peace and truth. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel, and will rebuild them as they were at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned against me, and by which they have transgressed against me. It will be a name of joy, praise, and glory before all the nations of the earth, which will hear all the good that I do for them, and they will fear and tremble because of all the good and all the peace that I make for it. You know what? I think I'm, oh, you know what? I think I'm supposed to be in Ezekiel. <laughs> Turn to Ezekiel 33. This is, okay. 
Ezekiel 33 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon the land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows on the trumpet and warns the people, then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning. His blood will be on himself. But, he, but had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Do you see that? And again, that's why James says that let not many of you be teachers because teachers will incur greater wrath because teachers have a responsibility before God. And I'm telling you, all these preachers that preach nothing but peace and safety, all these preachers that preach nothing but blessing and God loves you and stuff like that, they're going to stand before God and he's going to require people's blood from their hands. Verse 7, Now as for you, son of man, I have appoint, I've appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you, are here, you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked man his, the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from your hand. But if you on your part warn a wicked man to turn him from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your life. Now as for you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you have spoken, saying, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we are rotting away in them. How can we survive? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather the wicked turn from their way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? So do you see that? So again, that's it. the purpose of the fivefold ministry, the purpose of preachers and teachers in the body of Christ is to speak not just pleasant words, not just what they feel is a great message, not just what they feel is like would bless the people or something like that. Now, there are plenty of times when God will say, yes, speak a word of blessing, speak a word of peace, speak a, tell, tell them that I love them, tell them that I'm for them, that I'm behind them. But there's other times when God will say, I want you to speak to this people and tell them to turn from their sins, to turn from their wicked ways and to tell them that I am not pleased with them. And, and if a person is not willing to do that, just like it says, God will require their blood on their head and stuff. And so that is, again, why it is so important to, to count the cost. If God has called you to teach the body of Christ, there is a cost associated with it because it's not easy. And because people will get upset with you, people will get angry at you, people will not like what you're hearing. All throughout the Word of God, people have been stoned. People have been sawn in teeth. People have been thrown to lions. People have been hated. People have been cast out because people didn't want to hear what they said. And the message was not from themselves. It was from God. Turn to another place in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Again, the Bible says that God has exalted his word even above his name. Truth is very, very, very important to the Lord. His word, he has given us, it says it, it has everything pertaining to life and godliness in this. And even from the very beginning in the first century and even in the Old Testament, people have been twisting this to their own destruction. And people have been taking it, and that's why, like, there are certain gospels, like the Gospel of Judas and the, um, you know, the Gospel of Enoch and things like that, that weren't included in the biblical canon because they have things that contradict the rest of Scripture. Even though, if if you read them, there's also stuff in there that sounds really good, and there's stuff that sounds, you know, good about. It. And that's the thing about every cult, every false religion that uses Jesus, even even Islam and stuff. They're like, well, Jesus was a great man. He was a prophet. And we, we revere him. We, 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 yeah, he's awesome. But, you know, Muhammad was greater. 
you know, Mormons and stuff, you know, all they do, and they, they say, you know, Mormons believe in the King James Bible. They say, yes, we believe in the King James Bible, but we also believe in the Book of Mormon. And when it comes down to it, the Book of Mormon has more authority than the Bible does. And so that's what, nobody just comes to you and says, we're going to come to you with all this falsehood. Here, look out, come, here comes falsehood. Satan comes as an angel of light. He masquerades himself. And he feeds you enough truth to make you sound like, oh, wow, that's pretty good stuff. Maybe I should, you know, maybe I should receive that. And then, uh... He often comes with signs and wonders, too. Yeah. And in Deuteronomy 13, verse 1, look what he says. He says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign of the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Will God allow you to listen to falsehood? Yes, he will. Why? To test your heart, right? And believe me, I have been deceived many times, right? I've been deceived because I didn't go to the Word, right? And I, I've been deceived by people who knew Scripture inside and out. And like they would say stuff and I would like, inside I'd be like, yeah, I don't know about that. I, that's, you know, that... And they would use scriptures to back up what they're saying. But part of me is like, I don't know, there's these other scriptures and stuff too. But because I'm like, well, you know, but this is a man of God and I'm just me, you know. And this person has been, you know, walking with God for so much longer. And he's done all these great things and these miracles and, and, and done all these wonderful things. So, you know what, I, I need to listen to him. And so because of that, I have been deceived. And then later, God would begin to show me the word and show me, well, this is what scripture says and stuff and you know scripture you know we've been in the churches where it's like you need to put your wife under your thumb she needs to be your slave she needs to be your servant she needs to serve you and you can find scriptures that sound like that that's the truth but then you go to other scriptures and says you are to love your wife as christ loved the church and it totally negates all that other stuff and you can see from that and from other scriptures that that's a lie right and so the way that we discern truth from falsehood is going to the word. In verse 4, he says, You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him. You shall listen, you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Now, going to the New Testament, we know that we don't put people to death, but we know that Paul said if somebody's walking in sin, not to even eat with such a one, right? And so there is a death that takes place, but it's a death of relationship. It's not a physical death. If your brother, verse 6, your, look at this. It says, if your brother, your mother's son, or the son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods whom neither you nor your fathers have known of the gods of the peoples who are around you, near you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other. You shall not yield to them or listen to him, and your eye shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterwards of all the hands of all the people." Now, again, we don't put people to death. We don't stone people in the New Testament and stuff like that. But it's, it's all, we don't fellowship with them either, right? And so... So you should not conceal him. I think that's interesting. Right. And the point is, is that even if you love somebody, you know, because we... Sorry. The Bible says don't pity them. And that's the problem. Again, the church of the 21st century is all about just loving one another. It's all about being nice to one another. It's all about going to church, feeling good, 
and going after going home after the sermon feeling good. It's not, it's about never ruffling anybody's feathers, never making anybody angry, never preaching anything that's hard or difficult, never saying anything that's going to offend somebody, but it's all about just you know walking that that broad way of of making everybody happy. And the thing simple fact of the matter is, you cannot be a preacher in the body of Christ, a true preacher and make everybody happy. And you will offend somebody sometime. If you don't offend somebody, you're not doing your job. Jesus offended people all the time. He even offended his own disciples from time to time. Now, did he do that because he liked offending them or because, you know, it just, he got kicks off? No, he didn't. He did it because of the truth. And because the truth offends, the truth cuts. And that is the part about iron sharpening iron. It is that offense when we're rubbing up against each other and our sparks flying and, and things are uncomfortable. But because of that, if we allow it, then we both become strengthened through it. We both become more matured. We both become stronger. <clears throat> um, let's look at that in, uh, from a New Testament standpoint. Turn to Jude chapter 1. <clears throat> I think it's interesting <clears throat> before you leave Deuteronomy and verse 11... It says, uh, then all Israel will hear and be afraid and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. Right. It's like there's a purpose in calling this person into account, basically, is that it's for the rest of the body of Christ to, right. to see and to fear God. And and again, and that's the thing. And, and again, it's a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough and stuff. And and. You know, and that's the problem. It's like, we're like, well, it's just a little bit of falsehood. And again, I'm not saying that we know, none of us knows everything. None of us is perfect and stuff. But I do believe that there's some obvious, blatant Falsehoods. things in the body of Christ that are wrong. And I believe that it can be shown through, excuse me, through scripture. And, uh, and that's what we want to do. Again, it's not to attack anybody. It's, it's to... Show the truth from falsehood. This is the truth. Walk in the truth. The truth will set you free. Falsehoods will bind you. Falsehoods yeah. will put you in chains of darkness. Yeah. And in Jude 1, verse 3, <clears throat> Paul says, Beloved, um, while I was making every effort to write about you, to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend. The word contend means to fight and not just to fight, but to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. Now in Paul's time, as soon as Paul, as soon as, um, um, the disciples were preaching the gospel as soon as all these revivals were going on in Jerusalem and to the other most parts of the earth when Paul went out uh, to the Gentiles and things like that. Immediately, they were following Judaizers. They were following Gnostics. There were all these people that were following them going to the church, trying to mislead the people in the church. And so many of Paul's New Testament letters, so many of John's New Testament letters, so many of the New Testament Letters and epistles to the church were to combat the people that were trying to distort the gospel. That were trying to to um, to to uh, to turn it just a little bit. Oh, you can have the things about Jesus, but you know what? Jesus wasn't really God in the flesh. Jesus was a man, you know. And so they're taking again truths, but they're distorting them just a little bit. They're 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 just switching them a little bit. Has God truly said? Did, is that what Jesus is is truly? <clears throat> he says, uh, again, I felt it necessary to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So again, Paul is saying, look, you need to contend for the faith. You need to get back to the simplicity and purity of the gospel of Christ. Turn to another place in 2 Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> because again, as a man thinks, so is he. 
And that's the that's how the gospel sets us free. That's how truth sets us free. It doesn't say the truth will set you free. It says you shall know the truth, then the truth will set you free. When you know and understand truth, it brings enlightenment. It brings light. It brings freedom. It breaks the chains of darkness. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, <clears throat> Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of discipline. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony or the truth of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. For this reason I also suffer these things, but but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Retain. So because of all these things that he's saying, he says, retain, keep, guard the standard of sound words which you have heard from me and the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure, what was the treasure? The gospel, the, the faith, the truth that was passed on to him. The, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. You are aware of the fact that all of all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelius and Hermogenes. So again, Paul's talking about how he's... He's stressing to Timothy the importance of guarding the gospel, guarding the truth because people have turned away. And he even names them by name. Phygelus and Hermogenes and stuff. And so, again, the truth is important. The truth is powerful, okay? Um, so how do we judge? We judge by discerning the things that we hear. In Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it says the word of God is able to judge between the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Right? And so, again, everything is through the word of God. We take everything to the word of God. Does this line up with the word of God? And we are supposed to do that. In, uh, in Matthew 7... Jesus said that you would know false prophets and wolves by their fruit. What is their fruit? Do they live according to the word of God? Is their life, is their teaching, does it line up with scriptures? And so, um, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. It says, and he, God, gave some, giving to the church as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints. How do you equip the saints? With the truth. Right? We don't, we don't, we don't give to one another pieces of armor. We don't give to each other swords and, and shields and stuff. We equip each other with, with the truth. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. How do we attain to that unity of faith? By the truth. Not by saying, well, let's just agree to disagree. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And again, the church right now is going down to the lowest common denominator. Well, let's just love each other. Let's just have potlucks. Let's just, uh, we, we, we don't agree on scripture and stuff like that, but let's, let's not try to search the scriptures out to find what the truth is. Let's not try to build each other up in the faith. Let's bring each other down to the lowest common denominator. He says, as a result, 
of the fivefold ministry of the being built up in the knowledge of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But to speaking in the, the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. And so again, the church of Jesus Christ is so faddish. We, 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 you know, every new teaching that comes down the road, every new, new saying that comes down the road, Christians just jump on the bandwagon and stuff. And, and we're like puppets. We just say whatever is taught to us. We just puppet it back. We just, we're, we're just cookie cutters and stuff. And we're not building each other up. We're not encouraging each other. Is this really the truth? Let's study this to find out. Let's search this. Let's dig into the Word of God. Let's be Bereans. Let's see if what this guy is saying is true. This guy is not some person that's on this pedestal that we can't discern whether what he's saying is true or whether what he's saying is falsehood. Nobody is in that place, right? And the fivefold ministry is for that very purpose is to bring the entire body of Christ into a place of fullness, into a place of going ever, ever higher in the things of God and into a place of learning the truth of God instead of just accepting everything that we hear and just believing everything that we hear. Paul also talks about prophets being subject to prophets. Yeah, the Bible says that prophets are subject to prophets. And, and again, who are teachers, we who are, are preachers, we who are in any kind of place of authority must preach the Word of God. We must say, this is what the truth is, and this is what falsehood is, because I don't want to see you be deceived. And I promise you, I have seen many, many people get deceived. Some people have bounced back. Some people have not. Some people have been destroyed. And they completely lost their walk with God, never to regain it back. Um, and, and so, I'm not doing this to be angry. I'm not doing this to... to um, show how much knowledge we have, how much wisdom that we have, or any of that kind of thing. It's for the purpose of the body of Christ. And I'm, I firmly believe with all my heart that there are vast, 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 vast sections of the body of Christ, those who call themselves believers, who are completely deceived who are completely caught up in the New Age movement specifically and in other things also. <clears throat> and the thing is, is again, it's just like, you know, it just takes a little bit to knock you off course, right? We think that Satan's going to come with this, this massive volcano and this massive thing that just totally wrecks us and stuff. Sometimes it's just a little course correction. And so that's the whole reason. Turn to... Uh, and, and, and turn to John chapter 10. Isn't there a scripture where Paul said, be careful that you don't drift away? And yeah. And you think about when you're on the ocean and you're out and you're body surfing and how you... And he said, up. let us be careful that we don't drift away. Yeah. Again, he included himself in that. It's like when you're out on the water mm -hmm. and like you're like body surfing and then you look up after an hour and you realize how far you drifted and yeah. you're like, how in the world did I get this far? I remember when we used And that's to... exactly what he's referencing, you know. And I've been there. I've been on the ocean before on like a raft or something like that. And, you know, just kind of dozing and stuff like that. And you look up and you're like, oh my gosh, look how far the shore is. And that's the way it can be. And I don't know about you, but I have had those situations. I have had those things in my life where I have had to make course corrections. Just like Paul told Timothy, you need to stir up the gift of God that's within you. Because there are times in our lives where we're letting that flame die. We're letting that flame flicker. And it is up to us to fan those flames into fire. And in John chapter 10, he says, Truly in verse 1, I say to you, He who does not enter by the door into the fold is sheep, but climbs up some other way. He is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd to the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls them by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him, because they know his voice. 
The stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the strangers. Now the Bible talks about people who have had their senses trained by the word of God to discern good and evil. So again, this is not just something that happens by osmosis. It's something that happens through training ourselves to understand the voice of God. Training ourselves to know the difference between truth and falsehood. To know the tr difference between lies and, 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 and truth. In verse 6, he says, This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus is talking about being the shepherd. He is the good shepherd says in verse 7, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. And the thief didn't just go away because Jesus left. The thief is alive and well on planet earth. The thief is still seeking those whom he can ravage. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And I'm telling you, there are many hirelings in the body of Christ. And I have at times been a hireling. When I saw things happening and I didn't say things. When, you know, when you see people getting into stuff or, or starting to walk on a path that you know is not right and you don't say anything to them. And you, you have the best intentions sometimes. You're like, well, you know, I'll talk to them sometime. And then the next thing you know, they have already been destroyed. They have already fallen into gross immorality. They have fallen into darkness. They have fallen into deception or blindness. And then, you know, and the Bible talks about like after your house is clean, after Jesus has come in and swept your house, if you allow, uh, if you allow those demons that used to live there back into their house, it becomes seven times harder to get rid of them than it was before. And that's the nature of Satan. He didn't want to let go of you in the first place. If he lets go of you and he gets an opportunity again, he's going to do, he's going to do his best to make sure that, that he never lets go of you again. And that's the thing. In verse 13, it says, He flees because he's a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. And that's the thing. I, I mean, do, what kind of teachers do we want in the body of Christ? I mean, do we... Do we truly want people that care about our souls? Do we truly want people that are, that, that are concerned about the truth? That want to know the truth? Or do we want people that just preach the party line? Because I'm telling you, there is so much party line in the body of Christ. I hear people, sometimes they just say things and it, I know instantly that you were taught that as a baby Christian. You've never questioned it. You've never really sought it out. You've never, you've never asked yourself whether it's true or not. You just believe that because somebody taught it to you. Right? Again, it's like I told you guys before. It's like I, at one time I wanted to be as an Assemblies of God pastor. One of the things that the tenets that you have to believe and adhere to if you're an Assembly of God preacher is that you have to believe that if you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. Does the Bible say that? In 1 Corinthians, it says not all speak in tongues. So how can they say that? And he said that to people that were gifted in the Holy Spirit. They were practicing the gifts to extreme, actually. And so... The thing is, is there are whole denominations that are preaching a party line, that are preaching something that they have been taught, they're teaching you, you're going to teach it to others, and your grandchildren are going to teach it to people, and it just goes on and on and on down the line, and no one ever questions it, no one ever examines it, no one ever says, is this true or is it not true? And it keeps people in bondage. It keeps people in lies. There are people that are, that are, that are, under condemnation because they felt like they were filled with the Holy Spirit, but they don't speak in tongues. So, turn to Galatians chapter 6. 
because there are definitely ways that we need to approach things. And again, we are not on any kind of witch hunt. We're not trying to make others look bad at our expense. We're not trying to exalt ourselves over anything. But I'm telling you, there are things that are wrong in the body of Christ. And you look at the, new, you look at the Old Testament over and over and over. Judgment came upon the people of God because the leaders would not take a stand. Because the leaders, the prophets, the priests, the kings, they, they, they liked falsehood rather than truth. And in Galatians 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Is there a possibility that we can be tempted? Yes, there is. Are we filled with pride? Do we think that we're better than people? Do we think that we're, we're smarter than people? Do, there are people that, that know the word so much more than we do, that, that are more spiritual than we are. That's not the issue. The issue is, what does the word of God say? He says, You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another. Can we be tempted? Sounds like it. It says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Do we understand that there is a risk of that? Yes, we do. Are we afraid of that? Yes, we are. But each one must examine his own work with, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Turn to one more place in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 19. He says, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So, again, for the next couple of weeks, we want to talk about New Age deception in the church. Um... I think it's rampant, and I think it's getting worse, and it's 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 getting worse and worse, and someone needs to say something about it. I um you know, um when people that I know personally are are getting into some of this stuff and 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 think it's okay, you know, it it makes me feel like I have a responsibility to care for for these sheep. And, and again, I don't say that in some kind of a haughty way. I don't say that in... The Bible says you're your brother's keeper. We are a brother's keeper, right? And stuff. And we are... Um, we are to speak truth to one another. In love. Yes. But we are to speak truth to one another. And, you know, and the, the, the Bible says deceitful are the kisses of an enemy... Of faithful are the wounds of a friend. So, you know, uh, it's because, again, I don't, I don't want to just beat it to death and, and everything, but, but that's that's why we want to do this. We we God feel like there there God is purifying His bride. God is is judging His people. He's judging His church because of all her falsehoods and because. Um, she has loved falsehood. She has loved to have her ears tickled. And frankly, I believe God is tired of it. And God is wanting to put a stop to it. And, you know, and it, it, sometimes it starts in places that make us uncomfortable. Amen? Yes, amen. So, amen. again, I, you know, I'm not attacking anybody personally. I, I don't... I, but, Believe me, I've wrestled and wrestled and wrestled because I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable. I don't want to make anyone feel attacked or anything, but I feel that it's something that I have a responsibility to do. And I feel that um, 
again, of work. There's, there's no need to be a teacher. There's no need to be someone who, who has any kind of authority in the body of Christ if, you, if you're not willing to stand up and say, this is what I believe God's saying. Amen? Amen. Can I pray? Yes. Lord Jesus, we love you, God, and I just pray, Lord, that you would teach us all truth, Lord. I pray, God, that we you would protect us, Lord, from falsehood and deception. And Lord, I pray, God, that in the body of Christ, Lord, God, that as you're shaking the house, Lord, you're shaking the world, you're shaking your church, Lord, I pray that you would shake away all the falsehoods that we all hold on to that are not truth, Lord. I pray you would reveal any untruth in any of us, Lord God. I pray that we would be iron sharpening iron in the body of Christ, Lord. I pray that we would um, do all things in a spirit of humility, do all things in a spirit of gentleness and love. And um, God, I pray that uh, just as Dean mentioned, Lord, that we wouldn't become like witch hunters, Lord, but at the same time, Lord, that we would see error, Lord, and in a spirit of love, be willing to... um, to correct that without having the fear of man or whatever, Lord, we'd, we'd fear God and we'd love the person. We'd love the person enough to speak truth. And so, Lord, there's a lot of ways that that plays out. And a lot of those ways, God, we, we ask, Lord, that, um, that you would go before us, Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would guide us, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, um, Lord, that you would um, give us your humility and your gentleness and your love and your compassion. And that, God, we could deliver truth in a way that pleases you, Lord. And, um, God, we pray for your church. And we pray, God, that you would um, open all of our eyes to the areas in which we have walked in darkness, in which we have um, believed um, things that are not true because we've not sought out your word. And so, God, I pray that we would all begin to love your word in a greater way. Lord, that all your people throughout this country would begin to love your word. God, love your word and love their relationship with you above their relationship to some man that they put on a pedestal, Father. God, I pray that our hearts would be tied to you and to you alone, Lord. Um, Father, forgive us, Lord, that we have tied our hearts to men. And God, please let us tie our hearts to you once again, Lord. Please, Father God, grant us repentance, Lord, that we would tie our hearts to you, Lord Jesus. So, Father, be the truth that you are. Reveal yourself to us, Lord, through through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anybody have any prayer requests? Father God, have mercy on Ruth's dad, Lord. So. God, we just 